Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. receive the blessings that were promised to him, there were some things that he had to do on his end of the deal, and God wanted to make sure. And he said unto him, Abraham, notice what he said, he said, behold, here I am. Everybody say that, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah. And offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham arose early, rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Notice that statement of faith. He knew what God was asking him to do was to take this boy's life. But yet he said, we're going to come again to you. He said, we're going I don't know how it's going to happen, but some way we're going to come back and meet you again. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went, both of them, together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, again, here am I. Notice this is a signal to us that Abraham is listening. Abraham is attentive. Abraham is open to instruction. Here am I. That same phrase again. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself, again speaking prophetically, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. And they came to the place where God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, and he said, come on, say it with me. Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went up and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. 
as, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of the heaven, out of heaven, and the second time, and said, My son have I sworn, or by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, Thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because thou hast obeyed my voice. Now I wish to God for this to be said over us as a church. Over us as the people of God. Over your family. Over you as individuals. That in blessing I will bless thee. And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven. And as the sand is upon the seashore, thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemy. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. I want to direct your attention very quickly back to one passage here. Verse number 9, and it says, And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar. And then it goes on, and it says, later on in that same place, it says that he laid him on the altar. He laid him on the altar. I want to preach to us for the next few moments with the Lord's help. I want to preach for the duration of this service, Abraham's last altar. Abraham's last altar. Let's pray that the Lord would bless, have his way in this service, move in our hearts, minister to needs in this place. Would you call on his name right now? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are asking you, God, to move. We're praying, O Lord, for your perfect will to be done. I'm asking you to touch hearts, to stir souls, to minister to needs in this place. We thank you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Would you give praise to the name of the Lord again? Hallelujah. Come on, let's really lift up our voices to the Lord. Now I'm going to tell you, in a service like this, you're going to have to make up your mind that I'm going to break through. You're going to have to determine in your heart, I'm going to push on through some barriers here, some spiritual resistance that may be here. And whatever hindrance might be in my way, I am going to receive something from the Lord in this service. Is that the determination of your heart tonight? Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We know, most of us in this place are familiar with this famed character in the Word of God, Abraham, and that he has the distinction that very few others had. I only know of Moses falling into this category of being a friend of God. And uh, we understand by just a simple perusal of his life and studying a little bit about him and his relationship with God that Abraham was a altar builder. As you've heard me say before, when you're studying through, particularly the Old Testament, you can tell a lot about the spiritual condition of nations by when they are building altars, where they are building altars, 
and to whom they're building their altars to. And uh, that is also true with individuals. You can check usually the spiritual condition of individuals by seeing whom they're building altars to, how often, how frequent they are building altars. And so as I begin to examine the life of Abraham, this altar builder, really one of the first ones of his era, uh, to step out and to begin to build altars unto the Lord Jehovah and begin to serve God and live for God. And again, he acquired a relationship with God that very few had. As I began to examine, I found that there was at least four altars that I guess you could say were high points or that are given to us in the Word of God that Abraham built. Now, I'm sure that there were other altars that were built under the Lord in the lifetime of Abraham, but these are the ones that the Lord felt significant enough to share with us through the Scripture. And you understand the economy of Scripture, and there's nothing that is there by coincidence. I know that a lot of people, they want to throw out certain portions of the Word of God, but every passage of Scripture, every verse in the Word of the Lord has its place and has its significance. And so the first altar that I want to speak of here tonight that Abraham builds is found in Genesis chapter number 12, verses 6 and 7. And it's important to note the timing or when this altar was constructed. It was just after he was called out of the era of the Chaldees. This was the place that he had lived up until this point. We can surmise that this was the place where he was raised. This is the people that influenced his life. And if you study anything about that area, you would find that it was steeped in pagantry. It uh, was a people that worshipped idols, many of them being idol makers. And so it was Abraham. Whatever it was in Abraham, I'm not sure. I sense that it was because he had a hunger and a desire. And uh, there was something in the heart of Abraham that God saw that he could work with. Uh, you know, uh, that there's a lot to be said for that. There's a lot that can be said for that. Do you have a heart and a spirit and an attitude that is pliable? Do you have a heart uh, that is open towards the things of God? Uh, is there somewhere down deep in your spirit a desire and a hunger for the things of God? And if there is, it doesn't matter how far God has to go or where God has to bring you from. He will do just that. He will reach to you. I've seen people that didn't have any kind of background or pedigree in Pentecost. They didn't know anyone uh, that, that knew the truth. But they had a desire and a heart that was towards God. And because they had a heart that was towards God, the Lord directed somebody to come down their path of life and to share with them the truth of God's Word and give them an opportunity what are you saying? I'm saying if you're hungry for God, God gives the hungry opportunities to receive Him. If you're thirsty for God, amen, God is going to give you an opportunity to have a, a chance to receive and to embrace the truth of His Word. 
And so, if there's anything that I could say about this particular altar, this first one that we see in the scripture that is built by this patriarch Abraham, it was his earliest altar that we see recorded in the word of the Lord. And I think there's much to be said for that. And that is, as we begin our walk with God, many of us can point back to certain places and pivotal points in our relationship with God, where altars were built, where God visited us, where God maybe filled us with the Holy Ghost, maybe God dealt with us, maybe it was in a place where you received a revelation of the truth, who God really is, and uh, how that His name is Jesus. And the truth was revealed to you. I, I've heard people talking about their conversions and, and how that, that moment when the light came on and uh, they saw it and it was revealed to them. We've heard testimonies of people uh, receiving a real encounter with God. Maybe it was the call into the ministry. Maybe it was the call to do something specifically for the Lord. But all of us can point back to certain places in our relationship with God early on where the Lord dealt with us. And I think there's uh, something significant about that. And I don't want to talk about the significance of early altars. Beginning in the first stages of your relationship with God, to build a relationship with Him that is more than just superficial. Because it's there that you're forging paths. It's at that time that you're beating out trails. You're, you're creating and developing habits that you will live the rest of your life for. Amen. And, and those habits will, will, uh, sort of be the, the structure that you hang the rest of your life on. And if you develop early on a habit of praying, there's a better chance that you will continue in your relationship with God later on in your walk with Him. If you start early on developing certain convictions and certain things, uh, allowing God to deal with you and move upon you and you stay open to Him, uh, there's a better chance of your survival as you continue your relationship with the Lord. If you start early uh, making uh, a habit to get into God's Word and to study God's Word, I'm talking about early altars in your life. Early habits of consecration in your life. If you're here and you're a fairly new convert, you need to make up your mind now. I'm going to carve out a relationship with God that is going to last. I don't want to just be a reed blowing in the wind. I don't want to be just something that is like a whip of smoke and I'm gone with tomorrow. But I want to last. I want to survive. I want to stand the test of time. And I realize the only way that I can is I develop now habits that are going to help me, that are going to be strategic for me staying saved and continuing on in my relationship with the Lord. Praise God. Because I want to tell you, as you go on and as you continue, you're not always going to feel like worshiping like you did when you was a new convert. You're not always going to feel like praying like you did when you first got the Holy Ghost. You're not always going to have the same zeal and excitement and enthusiasm toward the things of God. You're not always going to get in, into the Word of the Lord and read it like you did when you first discovered it. But if you'll develop that habit now and make up your mind now, 
I'm going to get some habits and I'm going to form some habits in my flesh that are going to help me through whatever period and whatever low time, whatever test, whatever trial that I may face because I built an early altar, I'll be able to survive. I'll be able to last. Amen. I'm in this for longevity. Oh, come on, clap your hands and let's give some praise to Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I see so many people that they, they begin living for God with the idea that I can just kind of go on the momentum of what I began with. I can just go on the consecration that I first started with. But I want to tell you that you got to keep putting wood on the fire, as it were. you got to keep uh, that thing red hot in your life. You, you've got to keep that fervency alive. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, be fervent in the Spirit. Hallelujah. That means it's our responsibility to keep the fire burning. If I read Leviticus 6 right, the priest was to go and prepare the sacrifice and the Lord was to bring the fire of his approval. But after that, he said, don't ever let the fire go out. It's your responsibility to keep it burning. It's your responsibility to keep the passion. It's your responsibility to keep that zeal for God. It's your responsibility to stay in the prayer room until you feel that reigniting in your heart. To stay in the worship service and break through whatever barriers and whatever resistance that is there. And not just be up and down, but make up your mind that I'm going to press through until I get what I need from the Lord in the service. Oh, clap your hands and let's give him praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. And so uh, those early habits... Those early altars are so imperative. And then, of course, Abraham's second altar comes soon afterward in the eighth verse of the same chapter. It talks about how that he removed thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel. I want you to notice those words. He removed from thence. Altars move us. Our relationship with God is a work of progress. It is a, it is a process that we're, we're walking and developing and maturing in our relationship with God. There is no, there is no graduation. There's no place where we reach the maximum of spiritual maturity and we quit growing or we quit being challenged or we don't need that anymore or we get to the place that we've reached the apex of our relationship with God. But altars ought to move you into new places, into new discoveries in God. Because I promise you, there's greater revelation out there. I promise you, there's more blessing out there. There's more that you can know about God. There's a greater relationship with God that you can develop in your life. There's there's more to understand and to know about God and His nature. There's more of His nature that you can take on and can affect you and change you until you develop more of His likeness. Come on, is that what we're after? Are we wanting to be more like Him? Are we desirous to be more like Jesus? 
The only way I can do that is to keep coming to the altar, keep receiving and being willing to move with the Spirit as the Spirit of the Lord moves me. He got up from that place. You, just a few verses before, he had been brought out of the air of the Chaldees, a type of sin. He had been brought out of the world that he was used to, and he was required in just a few verses to move again. Somebody said, well, I just kind of got familiar with this. I just got settled with that. That's the problem. We sit down and get too settled with where we are at the moment when God's saying, I don't want you to stop here. I've got more I want to reveal. I've got more I want to show you. There's greater things in store. This is not a stopping place. This is really just the beginning. This is just the start of what I want to do. If you think this building is the stopping place, You've got another thought coming. If you think the revival that we've had up until this point is all God wants to do, we're going to remove from this and we're going to go further in God, receive greater promises in God. Amen. Progress. Amen. It's a process of being willing and yielding to the Lord. That's why it's so incumbent upon us. Amen. It's so important that we never get in a place where we're too comfortable. And God doesn't allow that oftentimes to happen to us. Amen. You ever wonder why? Why don't you just let me relax, God? Why don't you just let me be comfortable, God? Why don't you just let me sit down for a moment, God? Why is it that it feels like there's always a hand in my back? Why is it that the preacher's always preaching and always seems to challenge me to do a little bit more and to reach a little bit further? I'll tell you why. It's because God, amen, is always moving and directing us towards the promise that he has in store and the things that he wants to fulfill, not only for us, but through us and you'll never understand amen what he really wants to do until you get beyond you and you realize it's not just what he wants to do for me but it's what he wants to do through me that's spiritual maturity when you realize it's not just about me being blessed and me getting victory and about me being saved but it's about me being a conduit that God can use to reach a city that is lost and without God it's about me letting the blessings flow through me amen I want to tell you the key to continuing to be blessed is to be open handed and say God you bless me to be a blessing you bless me so I can bless somebody else you anoint me so that I can pray for somebody else You bless me so that I can minister to somebody else. And you'll never lack for anything if you've got that kind of attitude and that kind of spirit. Hallelujah. Come on. Somebody give him a wave offering right now. He removed from thence unto the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord. Between Bethel, which is the house of God. So, we, we talked about when. The timing of altars. Now we're going to talk about where. Between the house of God. And Ai, which was called the trash heap. So... Between the house of God, Bethel, and the world, there has to be a place of consecration. If you 
live for God and don't go back to what God delivered you from, it's going to be because there's consecration between you and it. Because there's an altar that stops you from going back. Because there's a place that you're confronted with. You say, you know what? It was right here that I built an altar between Bethel and Ai. And I'm not returning. I'm not backsliding. I'm not going back to that. That's what I was delivered out of. That's what God helped me to overcome. And I built an altar there as a reminder that I am not going to slide back beyond this point. Hallelujah. A lot of people don't understand. Why is it uh, that... uh, that uh, I get to a certain point in my relationship with God and, and, and discouragement comes, disappointments and, and all of that come along and then all of a sudden, next thing I know, I'm right back in the state that I was in. I'm going to tell you that you have to build an altar between Bethel and Ai if you're going to survive. You've got to build an altar between Bethel and Ai if you're not going to go back. If you're going to make up your mind, I'm going to live for God and serve God in longevity. I'm going to be here and I'm going to be living righteous when the rapture comes amen then you've got to build an altar between you the house of God and the world hallelujah people that don't do that end up sliding back I've seen so many people that God has delivered give them a great miracle have a wonderful wonderful testimony and Because they continue to give voice to those things that God brought them out of. And they live too close to those things that God delivered them from. And they're constantly getting as close to the edge as they possibly can. Hallelujah. Now, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna flow in the Holy Ghost a little bit here tonight. So you just, you just ride with me and it may get just a little bit bumpy, but I want to tell somebody, if God delivered you out of drugs, you better be very careful about some of that stuff you've been taking. Amen. The reason why your emotions are up and down. The reason why you can't have any consistency. Why your shout is so hollow. Is because you've been fooling with things that you shouldn't be fooling with. Now you can get quiet. You can sit there. It doesn't matter to me. I know I'm in the Holy Ghost. I know what I'm talking about is right. Amen. You can't be popping pills through the week and expect to have victory here on Sunday morning. Amen. You're all loaded up, amen, with all that kind of trash and filth. Amen. No wonder you can't have victory. No wonder you come to church and you're wagging your head under conviction. You need to make up your mind. I'm going to build an altar. That's what God brought me out of. I'm not going back to that. I've been delivered and set free from that. I want to become a prayer warrior. I want to become a true worshiper. I want to become a person that lives for God faithfully. Praise God. Amen. You're not fooling anybody. You may think you're fooling everybody, but you're not fooling anybody. You're certainly not fooling God. You gotta make up your mind. I'm gonna build an altar between me and that. Amen. If you, if you have a problem of always having to come back and, and overcome these same things over again, maybe you need to build an altar between Bethel and Ai. 
Amen. I'm going to tell you what I'd do if, if I was a, an individual that was struggling with my cell phone and where to go and, and, and looking at things that I shouldn't look at. If necessary, I'd get me a flip phone. We got more dumb people with smartphones. That's right. Amen. And so, if necessary, I'm taking that option out. I'm making up my mind that I'm going to be saved and that's more important than my convenience right now. I want to, I want to spare my marriage. I want to spare my family all the pain and the agony of all of that field of this world. And I don't want to allow that in to invade my mind and affect my faith. I'm going to make up my mind now to be sold out, committed. Amen. Totally. Amen. Committed consecrated to the things of God. I want to develop convictions in my life that keep me. Keep me. That's what this is all about. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and let's give praise to the Lord. And let me just say this, that this particular altar is the only one that I see him going back and visiting again. What does that tell me? Right over in the next chapter, chapter 13, it tells us that he goes back to the same place between Bethel and Ai and checks in at that altar. Could that be underscoring the importance of this altar? Could that be telling us that you got to make sure even as you progress in your relationship with God, even as you go along, Amen. Maybe, maybe you started out. Maybe you, you began and you said, well, I, I had these convictions. I had these, these things in mind and these are things that I really, uh, really felt to do for God. And, and now I just don't know if I share the same, the same conviction towards it or the same, uh, consecration or if it's really all that necessary. You better go back to that altar and see why you built it in the first place. Uh, amen. God's word didn't change. God didn't change his mind about it. Uh, we may change our mind. We, we may want to debate it somewhere down the road. But God certainly didn't change his mind about it. If you ever consecrated it to God, it's still God's will. It's still God's purpose for your life. It's still in God's word. And you still have to make up your mind. This is right and this is what I'm going to do. Somebody say praise the Lord. And so he went back and, inf- and affirmed again the importance of that altar and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to nail some things down here. I'm going to, I'm gonna, once again going to visit this and renew this consecration unto the Lord. I was in a service just a few days ago and they had that, that old song, Lord, take me back to the old landmarks. Let me make a new commitment. Let me, let me start all over again from that point. There is altars in your life. You best not just trample over them. You better find out why they were built. You better understand that this still has significance for me. Hallelujah. This is something that I placed on the altar before God. This is a vow that I made before God. This is a commitment that I made to Him. And I'm going to continue in it. I'm going to continue to be faithful to it. Somebody said praise the Lord. 
Amen. There's certain things that God dealt with you about and gave you conviction about and, and, and stirred you up about. And, 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 and to go back and pick that back up again would be a tragedy. And, and some of those convictions that I'm speaking of are things that are general in the Word of God. And then there's some things that are specific to you that God speaks to you about. You know, personal convictions used to be a thing. Not so much anymore. I'm going to tell you, you don't need a pastor's conviction. Well, you can use mine until you get yours, but you need your own personal conviction about things. You've got to get this in your heart. I said, you've got to get this down deep in your spirit. A conviction that I, I, I'm living for God because, uh, amen, I want to be saved. I want to be right. I, I want to do God's will. I'm making up my mind. Hallelujah. God revealed this to me. We don't have what we have just because it's a tradition. We don't have what we have just because that's what old brother so-and-so taught and that's where I came in under and and that's the reason I, I, I believe it that way. No, it was because it's in the Word of God and because God dealt with me about it. And God knows you better than you know yourself. And so he knows, amen, where you need to walk and what would be good for you in some instances. While there may be some that might be able to, to, to walk a little bit to the left or the right of that, that specific thing. And I'm not talking about general things at all at this time. But I'm just talking about, I, I've known people that said, no, I have a conviction against that. And I frankly could not see anything wrong with it. And I've had convictions against things that, that others couldn't see anything necessarily wrong with. But I know when God put a conviction in my heart, He knows me. He knows what I'm capable of. And if I don't feel good about it, I want to stay true to that. I want to stand for that. I don't want to cave in. I don't want to just give in because somebody else tries to convince me it's okay. Amen. Because I want to be saved. And God, if I'll follow His Spirit, will help me to be saved. I'm talking about developing some personal convictions through prayer. Amen. You shouldn't have the attitude. Well, pastor okays that. Or it's all right just because the pastor says. I'm going to tell you, your relationship with God has to go beyond that. You have to realize. Amen. If the pastor dies tomorrow, I'm still not going to do that. I'm still not going to go there. I'm still not going to speak those things. I'm still not going to think on those things. I'm still not going to give myself to that kind of behavior. Praise God. Hallelujah. Because it's in my heart. Hallelujah. And so, this next, this next altar that I want to talk about comes on into the 13th chapter and the 18th verse. We've talked about the when, we've talked about the where, and now we're going to talk about the why. The Bible says that Lot, in one of the definitions for his name is Vale. Lot went with Abraham. He never did have the relationship with God that Abraham had. He knew Abraham, but he didn't know Abraham's God very well. And he never really developed the desire and the appetite for the things of God that Abraham did. Nevertheless, there came a point 
when a strife arose between the herdsmen of Abraham and the herdsmen of Lot. And uh, Abraham said, hey, this isn't right. He said, we, we're brethren. We don't need to be striving with one another. There shouldn't be contention here. He said, I'll tell you what I feel the Lord would have us to do. He said, you make up your mind. You said you want to go to the left, I'll go to the right. You want to go to the east, I'll go to the west. If you want to go to the west, I'll go to the east. He said, you, you, you make the choice. You make the decision. And the Bible says that Lot, because he was so sight-driven, he was so bound to his five senses that he lifted up his eyes and looked and saw the well-watered plains that were out there along the Jordan. He saw the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he pitched his tent in that direction. He made his choice to go and decision to go in that direction. And the Bible says that Abram stood true to his word. He said, I'm, I'm going to go in the opposite direction of whichever way you choose. You went for what was most lush and, and pleasing to the eye. I'm going to go, and it may seem like a desert, arid land with no potential whatsoever, but God's on my side. And the Scripture says that when Abraham went out, that God began to speak to him immediately after this separation occurred. And he built an altar there. And he reaffirmed that he had done the right thing, that he was still going to bless him, and renewed his promise to him. Now, in every one of these instances where an altar is built, God renews his commitment to Abraham. God tells him what he's going to do and makes a fresh new promise to him. That alone ought to, ought to stir us and inspire us to want to build altars, knowing that God is going to speak and give direction to us in our life. And so, we, we, we note that, that Abraham built that altar and this separation occurred and later it was Lot that would need to fall back again upon that relationship that Abraham had with God to intercede for him to get him out of arm's way. But let me just say this, that there was a separation that had to occur in order for Abraham to experience the promises that God had for him. He could not get them and still have Lot and this contention and this, this strife that was going on and uh, this, this, this tug of war, if you will, that was going on. There had to be a severance of some things. In order for there to be true peace, to be able to go on and progress towards the promises that God had for him, he had to separate himself from people, if you will. And this is what I felt in prayer today was I was considering this text and, and thinking about what we were going to preach tonight. There's, there's some people that keep holding on to people that are not a good influence to you. There, there's some of you, and I'm not talking about being a witness to people. We all know that we're, 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 we're supposed to be reaching out to people, but we're to be in a safe place reaching for them, pulling them this way, not the other way around. 
And if you're influenced by somebody, it's time to separate in that relationship. If you're being pulled, amen, towards carnality, it's it's a problem and you need to separate in that relationship. If, if it's a negative, you need to separate in that relationship. You need to make up your mind. I'm not going to fellowship with them anymore. If all they're going to do is talk negative about the church, then I don't want to have anything to do with that. If all they're going to do is talk down about God's people, I don't want to have anything to do with that. If all they're going to do is fill my mind with doubts about what the preacher is preaching, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Amen. If all they're ever going to do is talk about what can't happen, and they're never talking about revival and the promises of God being fulfilled in our church and in our city, and they're never talking about growth and souls and and interest in the lost, then I've got to separate from that. I want to be around people that feed my faith. I don't want to be around negative folks that are always talking to me about what can't happen. I want to be around folks that that can tell me about the potential. I want somebody that can tell me something positive about what God is doing. I want somebody that's testifying about God's goodness in my life. Because there's always going to be bottom feeders. There's always going to be somebody that's looking around for something to feed on that'll take away and steal from your faith. But you got to make up your mind. I'm only going to allow things to influence me that is good for my faith, that feed my faith. Amen. That strengthen my faith. Faith is too precious just to give it to dogs. Faith is too precious for it to be cast before swine. You got to make up your mind. I'm going to uphold this and guard it and protect it. With all of my heart. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And so there was a separation that occurred. And again, God confirmed things to him. You got to be willing to step out. Somebody says, Well, I just want to be accepted. Are you that insecure? You got to be accepted by everybody? I'm going to tell you, you're never going to be a standout for God if you've got to be accepted by everybody you come in contact with. Let me give you a little insight. Everybody's not going to like you. Everybody don't like, everybody's not going to like you if you're a sinner. Everybody's not going to like you if you're a saint. And some are going to not like you because you're blessed. Some are going to become jealous and envious of the anointing and the blessing that is upon your life, but you can't help that. you got to be willing to go on and walk in it and stand for God and, and be willing to be a standout. He said we're a peculiar people. We're, we're of a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. There were some places that the priest couldn't go. There were some things that the priest couldn't touch. There were some things, pray tell, that he couldn't look at. There were some ways that he couldn't dress. Oh, but he got to visit things that nobody else got to visit. He got to feel things nobody else got to feel. He got to experience things nobody else got to experience. Come on, instead of talking down about, well, I can't do this, I can't do that, and if I live for God, i got to stop this, and i I got to stop going there, and i got to stop talking like that. i got to quit smoking them and chewing that, taking those pills and, and, and drinking from that. I want to tell you, instead of thinking of it that way, why don't you think about the glory and the presence and the power of Almighty God that you get to experience being a part of the kingdom of God. This is the blessed life. 
The devil's convinced you of everything. Amen. Negative. You need to focus on. There's a whole lot more positive in living for God. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Clap your hands to the Lord. Let's give him praise. But this, this final altar is the one I want to talk about briefly here. The fourth and final altar is found here in our text. And you know the story, and I won't belabor the point, how that God spoke to Abraham. And he said, I want you to take your son. Now, I want you to notice something. That third altar was in chapter 13. This altar is in chapter 22. There's a lot of water that's went under the bridge between these two. Matter of fact, there's been 15 years of silence from God that has occurred because Abraham tried to take things in his own hand and was disobedient to God and tried to devise his own plan to circumvent the will of God thinking that he was going to help God out. And God said, you, you want to do that? You want to do it on your own? Then you, you go ahead. You want to do it according to your plan? Go ahead. And so he has a son by the name of Ishmael, who the Bible says was a wild man. He said, you want to you raise a wild man without me? Go ahead. I have no influence. I, I won't speak to you no more. Fifteen years of silence. Nothing. God's not speaking. And by the end of that period of time, Abraham is so hungry to hear from God. And finally, the promise of God is fulfilled in Abraham's life. And so when God speaks now, there's no hesitancy. Oh, that's what we've got to develop, church. There was absolutely no hesitancy whatsoever. The Bible says that he spoke one afternoon, and what did it say? It said early the next morning. He set out to do what God, the hardest, God asked him the hardest thing possible for any parent. And he set out the next morning. He said, I don't know how it's going to happen. He's asking me, he gave me this child, and now he's asking me to sacrifice this child. I don't get it. Amen. He's the one that promised this, and now he's wanting me to kill the very promise that he gave me. I don't get it. But I know that I've got to be faithful to his voice because I remember what it was to be disobedient. And I, I know what it's like to live in silence and can't hear from God and can't get any direction and I I know what it's like to not be able to hear his voice and I don't want to live in that place anymore. I know what it is to have life all to myself and I know what it is to be faced with choices and decisions and have to make those choices and decisions all alone and I don't want to do that anymore. So God, if you're speaking, I'm listening. He said, you go towards the mountains of Moriah. He didn't tell him where, which one. Mountains. 
He said, on one of those mountains, you're going to sacrifice your son. And he heads out in that direction, not knowing specifically where to go. And as he's going, amen, he's taking with him all of these implements that would be used for the sacrifice. And it was not just any sacrifice, but it was the burnt offering. That means that my son is going to be not only sacrificed, we're not only going to take a knife and and, and plunge it down into him and take his heartbeat, but he's going to be burnt into ashes. And I, I know that sounds gruesome, but I'm just trying to give you a picture. This is a complete sacrifice. This is complete consecration. This is everything. Amen. This is holding nothing back. This is the end. This is the all. Amen. This is this is all I could possibly yield to him. I, I can't. There's no way. Amen. That you can take ashes and put that back together again. It's totally destroyed. But I'm trusting you if that's what you want. And at each stage, when God speaks, he said, here am I. He gets to the next stage, and God speaks. He said, here am I. I've still got my listening ear to the Spirit. That's so critical, folks, that in the process, that we, when, even when there's contradiction, even when we feel like uh, that we're, we're up against something, we don't know how it's going to turn out, even when we're in the midst of the trial and we sure don't know how this, this is all going to work uh, and how it's all going to come together. And we know what God said, but it seems like everything God said is turned upside down and on its ear and it doesn't appear like it could possibly happen or take place the way God intends it to. Uh, I want to, I want to tell you right now, just keep your ears open. Just, just keep your heart open. And just keep yourself receptive to hear the voice of God and keep walking in the direction that God gave you last. God doesn't change his mind. God, amen, is not going to turn things back. Amen. But he is going to fulfill his purpose in your life. So finally he gets to that place. He sees it afar off. I don't know. The scripture doesn't tell us just how he knew that was the place, but he knew in his heart, that's it. That's where the altar's to be built. And you, you gotta know there was an aching in his heart because he finally arrived. You know, when, when we can keep kicking the can down the road, when we can keep putting things off, when, when we can keep saying, well, it's, it, it's, it, it's a few days from now or a week from now or a month from now, then there's a certain amount of relief. But as, as that day uh, approaches, as we, as we draw close to, to something becoming final, we feel the dread of it. We feel the heaviness of it. We feel the burden of it. And this was the case with Abraham as he approached that place and finally turned to his servants and he said, hey, uh, I want you to stay right here. And I and the lad are going yonder to worship. The first place that worship has ever meant, mentioned in your Bible is in that verse. Amen. And it required a man saying, it's not about me anymore. And it's not about my plan anymore. And it's not about what I want. And it's not about what I desire. But it's about what God wants. It is His will. And it's His purpose. And it's His plan that I'm after. And He's the one that's going to take care of me. And it's His, it's His word, not mine, that's at stake. It's His plan, not mine, that's at stake. It's His promise that's going to be fulfilled. And He's the one that's going to have to I don't know how he's going to do it, but here I am, Lord. I'm still listening to you. Stand with me if you would. And still he maintains this unwavering faith. This staggering not at the promises of God faith. 
Because when his son asked him, he said, I see the fire, I see the wood. I see all the implements that are required to do what we're being asked to do, Father. But I don't see the sacrifice. We don't have a lamb. We don't have a bullock. We don't, we don't have anything. And he looked at his son with eyes of faith and said, the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. Speaking, just a little prophetic. Few words are spoken by a patriarch. He's seeing, maybe he didn't even understand, he's, he's speaking of things that are to come. Because that's what faith does. Looks at things not as they are but as they can be said the Lord's going to provide and then he binds that son and places him on the altar takes that knife and raises it and he's contradicted all the while and the angel of the Lord speaks and said don't lay your hand on your son The Lord says, now I know that you're not somebody that's going to withhold. You're not somebody that's going to get up to a certain point, in other words, and say, you know what? That's my line. I can't go any further. That's all I can do. That's as far as I can take it. That's as far as I can give, much as I can do. But you're one that is willing to go until there's nothing left. You're not a withholder. A worshiper cannot be a withholder. A person that's really used of God cannot be a withholder. You can't hold back certain things and say, God, this is off limits over here. You can't touch this. You can't pinpoint that. You can't ask me for that. you got to be open-handed with God and say, God, if you want it, this is yours. I don't know how you're going to work it out. This is your promise. It's not mine. Hebrews 11 tells us that he had such faith that he knew that if he went through with this and plunged that knife down into his son and his life was taken, that God had the power to resurrect that promise. That's the faith that Abraham had. But this fourth and final altar was one that was crucial. As I begin to think about the number four in the numerics of Scripture, I thought about it. One prophet talked about the four corners of the earth. The other talked about the four winds of the earth. We know that four, we've got north, south, east, west. It's always, you think of the word four, you think of direction. If you was to come up in front of this building, if you don't see all four size, sides of it, you don't know all the dimensions of it. You don't know all the footprint that it has on this land until you see all four sides. You get a, you get a view of things. You get a context of things. Maybe there's somebody here. You're looking for direction. You're looking for, you're, you're looking 
which, which way does God want me to go in this decision and this, this, this thing that I'm faced with? I'm going to tell you, until you're able to yield everything, you'll never, never discover some things from God. But God said, let me just tell you what I'm going to do as a response to this. He said that in blessing I will bless thee. And multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven. Abraham, in other words, look up. Can you count them? So can your blessings be. Look down beneath your sandals on the ground. Check out the sand that is there. And as the sand which is upon the seashore, thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemy. And in thy seed, this is not just going to be a blessing for you, but this is going to be a perpetual blessing to generations that go forward. Shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed me. You've heard of generational curses. What about generational blessings? If decisions and choices that are made for the wrong things has the ability to curse a person, perhaps their family, I believe with all of my heart choices that are made tonight in this place could be a blessing to your children. Maybe they're infants now. Maybe they're not even born now. Maybe there's grandchildren that are coming that are not even born yet. But God is going to bless them because of decisions and choices and commitments and consecrations that were made right here in this house tonight. I want to ask you, are you still willing to go to the altar? That, that first altar coming out of there of the Chaldees, yes. I thank you, God, that you brought me out. I thank you, God, that you saved me. That's an easy altar to build. That altar. That altar that is built that, that says, I'm so thankful that God continues to bless and continues to help me through my life. That's, that's an easy altar. When you see the story of Lot and how things turned out, you're thankful that you made a choice to go a different direction. That's an easy altar to build. Sometimes this altar is the most difficult altar for anybody to build. And that's the altar of total commitment to God, total consecration. But if you want all of His blessings, if you want all of His goodness, if you want all that He has in store for you, you've got to be willing. I wonder if there's somebody that's willing here tonight. Come on, God's calling you. God is moving upon you. God is reaching towards you right now. Hallelujah. Open up your heart. Open up your heart.